Today on Panelism, we're talking about the Captain Marvel that isn't really a Captain Marvel, but doesn't really have a name in his own movie. Panelism, the podcast where we talk about the comic books and graphic novels worth having on your shelf, and sometimes the movies that are derived from those comics and graphic novels. I'm Todd A. I'm Taylor Trask. Yes, sometimes we veer off the beaten path and we talk <laughs> about a movie. Although we used to talk like, about movies all the time, so it's not like it's... Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like we beat this path a lot, <laughs> so it's okay. For our new listeners who aren't as used to our movie or TV-related stuff, I guess... Um, yeah, and in this case, we're talking about Shazam. It has just come out. It just came out over the weekend, Todd. Just released, fresh. Yeah. And we both saw it. And in fact, I was so excited from our summer preview episode that I did exactly what I said I would do, and I went to a Thursday afternoon matinee. Ah, uh, uh, so I saw this on opening day for eight bucks, <laughs> and I excellent. walked over there. <laughs> excellent. How? What was the crowd like? Big, small? No. Um, it was. Uh, it, it was actually pretty empty um you know for 4 p.m on a thursday isn't that crazy though because like it used to be that these marvel movies like i remember going to iron man 2 uh like midnight showing the thursday before and it was jam-packed and all of a sudden i think i oh no it was iron man 3 you know four or five years later i went and that was when that was the first movie that they had they started doing the early thursday showings Mm. and i went like at 5 or 6 p.m and it was the same thing nobody there I was just kind of like, what happened? Like the excitement's all like this is earlier, more convenient, yeah. yet it's not as as crazy. And I don't know. I was thinking about this after our movie review episode, which was the last one. If you're interested, um, it, is that a result of theaters changing the time, or is it more the result of of um, viewers really getting used to time shifting, and then it's just like this yeah. event launch, you know, the premiere isn't as big as it used to be unless it's a big, big movie, you know, uh, like Endgame coming up, which, you know, already the tickets are being resold on scalping sites and it's kind of crazy to watch that. But yeah, go ahead, sir. I would say the other thing, but you like just to to tag on what you said there about Endgame is that I think this is also indicative of like Shazam's power because I'm pretty sure I saw Infinity War on, maybe not on opening day, but like in the same like afternoon slot in that opening weekend and it mm-hmm. was jammed. Mm. So this I, I think was more of a, nobody really cared about seeing Shazam on opening day at 4 PM. Mm. So, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, what was your experience? Like, when did you see it? We saw it Friday night, uh, okay. 745 at a, uh, a theater that I have been putting off seeing in Colorado Springs. It's actually the biggest, uh, m- you know, multiplex movie theater and it's really close to our house and in fact todd you'll remember last year you and i and another friend of ours went to deadpool and we actually went to the other side of town to a theater that's great it's just on the other side of town so this one is very close it's massive i don't know why i've been putting off going there but um you know we had the we had this reserve stadium seating you know and jam-packed jam-packed theater so you get a little of the audience interaction too uh so it was much more much more traditional opening night Mm. Oh yeah, that you was it packed? 
Yeah. Oh, totally. Because of that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. So sold sold out. Um, All, more or less. I think there's a few empty seats, but yeah, we pretty much jam theater. What did you get the vibe from the audience watching? shazam that was like they were all into it did you did that add to the excitement of the movie it was a slightly older crowd um yeah so so not as much you know there was definitely more laughter and and sort of oohs and ahs than there would be in a in a you know normal everyday theater setting not quite the rabid opening night you know comic book yeah. audience because I, I i mean say what you will about iron man 2 my love of that movie is largely influenced by the fact that that opening night crowd was into it mm. um you know they were ready to go and so everything was was heightened uh during that viewing and even like you know there's different things like when um when he's on the racetrack and, and he pulls out the suitcase armor for the first time, everybody's like, Oh, you know, just like, just that sort of, and granted that was still early in the MCU. So things were a little bit more surprising in this yeah. case. I, it was just more, you know, more laughter at some of the jokes. So I think yeah. that felt a little more heightened, but it was much more laid back audience. Yeah. I, that, um, Ooh, that, uh, Oh, that brings so many things to mind. Um, but one question that I think we should consider like, uh, uh through this episode is like, who was, the ideal audience for this great not, question not just great like who question. they thought it was but who like having seen it now who do we think it should have been you know i have a to? i have a very clean and it's funny you asked that because i was thinking about that pretty much through half of the movie like who is this really for and i think i i have yeah, a very same. clean answer i think it's for kids age eight to 18 let's just say i'll put it put it there eight to 18 um, you could even go younger if you wanted to, but I think this is definitely a kid's movie that if you're an adult and you love it, great, but it's not meant for it's, I think, I think unlike the, the dark Snyderverse movies, this is yeah. definitely aimed squarely at kids to go, Hey, Hey kids, we were sorry. We've ignored you this entire time. Uh, but DC is now for you. Here you go. Um, that's just, I mean, that just, it felt like it really felt like a movie I would have absolutely adored when I was 13, 12, 11 so forth. Yeah, I th- I would totally agree with you, um, and that's exactly where the the impetus for my question comes from. Because with that audience in mind, there were a couple of uh, not even necessarily like curse words, but like at one point, but he says to suck my balls, and I'm like, man, I don't <laughs> I don't know if that's a cool thing to say in a kids movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and a couple of them swear, like a couple of the kids swear, mm-hmm. uh, and not in like. And I granted, like the Goonies swore like crazy, as I recall, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it was—I don't know—it just sort of threw me off of like, huh? So did DC think that the, that this would actually be the sort of Marvel young adult to you know Gen X audience? I, I don't know, but I, I just think in retrospect, I actually think that um, I, I do think that's the audience is like adults. I think mm-hmm. I think there are a bunch of us who do have that like dark hero fatigue, mm-hmm. and we're we're ready for something like this. And I wonder if they could have positioned it a little bit better just because of that, but it's, I don't have any big long rant on that. Just observations. I man, I'm, I go back and forth on that. Cause like you said, Goonies, you know, that, that was very much, if you're a kid in the eighties, it might've been the first time you heard a lot of swear words. Yeah. That's ebbed and flowed over the years. I don't know if that's, if that's so tamped down now. I mean, so much double entendre exists in movies. Good Lord. Shrek invented, the double entendre, you know, multi-generational movie formula, essentially. Oh, right, so, right. The joke you, for the parents and then the joke for the kids. Yeah, like, so yeah. you can read something and, like, your kids might laugh, but then the parents go are laughing for a very different reason. And they don't want to have an awkward phone, you know, conversation in the car on the way home to explain why. So it's it all works yeah. out. I think in that case, you know, it. 
I don't know. I just, I, I really felt like if I had a kid at this juncture, this would be a great family movie to go to. I do too. Um, I do feel like there would definitely be those moments where I would catch that kid playing with superheroes later yelling, suck my balls. And I would be like, Oh, (laughs) Hey buddy, let's not. Cause I remember, um, I remember my brother playing with his back to the future set one time and yelling the word bastards when he was like five years something. And my dad was like, Oh, Oh, <laughs> where'd you hear that? Cause wait, wait, you wait. know, it's like a scene right from the, the movie where uh, Marty is just like, you bastards. <laughs> I want to go back to the idea that your brother had a back to the future set. What does that mean? Did he have like a DeLorean toy car? As I recall, it was like a little DeLorean toy car with the what? but maybe he was just playing it with another car i don't know but i know i oh knew God. he was reenacting a scene from the movie and my dad just thought he was shouting at bastards you know like in his play <laughs> you know he didn't really get that so yeah again i think you know if some if, if my kid were to say like suck my balls i would be like well yeah <laughs> let's yeah. not take that to the playground <laughs> well overall what was your general impression like if you, if you could sum it up in a in a sentence or two what did you what did you think I, I mean, I really loved it. I thought it was so fun. Um, yeah, that's probably where I should just just leave my impression. Like, I, I I was so happy with the way it included nods to Superman and Batman without um, trying to be part of the universe yet, you know, um, mm-hmm. if that ever comes. Um, I would, I mean, I honestly am doing the same treatment of like, God, dare I say it, like, and... Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, they they could almost have the the sort of like B-list superheroes movies yeah. and do them in this tone. Um, I thought they did a really... I and mean, the other thing is like, it is such a more solid movie than Aquaman. You like think? Just, just structure-wise. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, just the writing and the structure of this movie was like, that was a movie that was, you know, written out in three acts and you know sort of followed the arc and all that kind of stuff and and aquaman was just uh, all over the place like well it certainly cr- felt cleaner than aquaman because it, it was just oh, like yeah. where, where aquaman took the the tact of hey this may be the only aquaman movie that ever exists so let's do every aquaman movie all at once <laughs> shazam yeah. was kind of like you know let's just keep this as clean and as simple as possible it was a little paint by numbers for my for my taste um but to that end, I there's a that. lot of kids who are not familiar with that formula yet. So it felt fresh to them, I'm sure. And it was just so refreshing to see DC finally, finally just do what they should have done from the very get go. And just like copy Marvel's formula verbatim. You know, they even had the they even had the uh, initial end credits uh, sequence and then the you know, end of the credit sequence. And they had resisted yeah, doing yeah, that yeah, for like- so long. They're like, no, no, we're doing our own thing. And then finally, they're just like, oh, fuck it we're just gonna do it so they they've got that yeah. and then just it felt fun and it I, you know i kind of tra- kind of kept mental inventory of how much cgi they use and while Ooh. they used a, a ton a lot of it was practical like a yeah. lot of stuff was practical i mean even his goofy suit which i thought was you know when i saw it in, in preview photos and stuff i'm like oh hmm this may not may not be interesting it actually worked yeah it worked, it worked incredibly well and there was sort of a a lo-fi aspect to everything that really just made me feel like this was more of a nineties movie in that respect, you know, before just yeah. you could do everything with CGI, look, you know, pick and choose your battles a little bit more. And then it just had that, that nice, clean, simple three act structure, like you said, and then just every character kind of knew what they were supposed to be doing. They streamlined a lot of it. And when you think about the, the cast, the cast was only like 
seven, eight people at the end yeah. of the day, you know, was not big. I, uh, oh God, I got to get into that, but I got, but I, uh, but a, a, a note on your saying where they just <laughs> threw up their hands and followed Marvel's like mid credit scene. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, also <laughs> just to pat myself on the back too, I, I had made this comment in our episode about, you know, I feel like this might be their Spider-Man. Yeah, totally. <laughs> so when, <laughs> when the animation style of the initial credits and a Ramon song came yeah, on, yeah. I could not believe, like they literally, I, I was, I, I was kicking myself because uh, by the uh, by the time I thought to look in the final credits, it had already passed, but I, mm-hmm. I was like, I got to find out who the animation company was and see if they literally hired the same people and said, just do the, the same thing. Just do the same thing. And I mean, because that was Homecoming. Yeah, yeah. The Spider-Man Homecoming, Homecoming in credits. With a Ramon song and that same animation style for the like initial credits. That, that um, high school sketchbook looking. Yeah. Looking, yeah oh my God. Yeah. Um, it was, but did that bother you? Or were you like, okay, fine. Like, I mean, cause it. No, it I really felt, felt like, like they were leaning into it. Cause it was like, there is no way you are not aware that Homecoming just did this like yeah, two years yeah. ago. So uh, yeah. So I felt like they were just saying like, yeah, we're, this is our Spider-Man, you know? Um, I wonder if that, I mean, I know there's been some, some executive change up at Warner brothers. So I'm wondering how much of that, affected yeah. this and i know Zack snyder's not the kevin feige i mean originally yeah, yeah. Zack snyder was the kevin feige of the dccu and no longer so that's i'm yeah. sure a big part of it you know it, was it ever revealed how much um joss whedon has a hand in these movies now Is you know that- i don't recall seeing his name anywhere on this one um, i'm looking right now i don't uh, see it either i did see dwayne johnson's name as an executive producer Oh, that's right, because he has been cast as Black Adam for like 25 years now. And (laughs) as a result of that, because they're not making movies, he still gets to have a hand in how they make stuff. Let's just jump to that real quick. So spoilers from this point forward. If you haven't seen Shazam, pause this unless you want to get some glimpses of what's to come. But at the end, there are two two end credit sequences. The ending ending one was just perfect. where the the headless Superman walks into frame. We'll come back to that in a second. But the <laughs> the, the first one where Savannah's in the jail cell, I could wait. Have hold st- on, that that wasn't an ending credits, was it? Yeah, I thought I thought the two were Savannah and then the telepathy with the goldfish. You must have they, maybe there was a second end credit sequence. So the two I saw were the Savannah in the jail cell talking to the the worm, yeah. and then at the very very end, they're back in the cafeteria. And the kid, I forget the main kid with the crutch, he, yeah. what his name is. He's there. And then the uh, Shazam walks in and then Superman's body walks in. I did see that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, sorry. I, I just had him mixed up out of order. Like what was. I don't remember any telepathy with, with a goldfish though. What oh, you don't that? remember him like staring at a, at a, oh wait, did that happen in the movie? That's staring the movie, at a goldfish in the, okay. Yeah. Maybe I'm just mixing up that with an end credits yeah i did see the superman thing but sorry got it, got it. So, I, I got way off track <laughs> so i was i was surprised that in the jail cell they introduced this other character this worm character which i was very loosely familiar with i know it goes way back to when this character was you know when shazam was called yeah. captain marvel so it goes way 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 back i was just shocked they went that route instead of having a dwayne johnson as black adam scene because you're like that's that's where this has to go. Dwayne Johnson's been waiting so patiently amassing more and more power in the, in the cinematic landscape. So it's like, why wouldn't you tease that even a little bit, just have 
well, something, you know, some even the name could be mentioned. I that's interesting because I really liked it and it had a weird payoff for me, which was through the main action of, of Savannah, uh, you know, and, and Shazam's like confrontation and everything. I, I was so bothered that Savannah had like the ultimate power. Mm. I, because I don't, I mean, I'm not like a huge Shazam Captain Marvel fan, um, but I read a couple books and I'm familiar with the character of Savannah. And I always thought he was like the mastermind character behind the scenes, you know, creating the inventions to take down Shazam, but not like the, you know, action, big, bad, evil guy. Mm. And so when he's flying around and shooting lightning and just seemed to have like, you know, the same powers as Shazam, I was kind of annoyed with that. Mm. And I liked that it was revealed that like, as he let the seven deadly sins out that he lost power, you know? Mm -hmm. And so I thought that ultimate payoff in the jail cell was great. Cause I was like, Oh, now he's lost all that power and all he's going to do is hunger after that power. Mm -hmm. And so to me, that was like, okay, finally now, now that's the Savannah I'm familiar with where it's like, they've given him this motivation now to hate Shazam and like, go after that power and i also can't remember the name of the worm um but i i liked it because i felt like okay so i get that's the tone we're going for now mm-hmm. um but yeah i wonder how most <laughs> people in the theater because i initially didn't even see the worm on the like you know until it like started zooming i was like what are we looking at <laughs> yeah <laughs> was the, that uh, everyone's experience <laughs> the worm's name by the way is mr mind and oh, yeah, so yeah. That is um, that goes all oh, that goes way way back, um, and it's apparently what from what I've read the the little radio is comics accurate, and he's apparently more has more abilities or more power. Or he offers more than the seven deadly sins even do, so it's going to be a step up from uh, you know what Savannah had to start with. Because and you could almost think that maybe the seven deadly sins were more elemental or more primal, um, whereas this yeah. you know this thing clearly has. Uh, a mind and all that stuff. I just, it was, it felt a little bit going back to Spider-Man. It felt pretty paint by numbers to the end scene uh, in the first, was it the, yeah, the first Spider-Man with um, not Tobey Maguire, the, uh, Andrew Garfield at the very end of that rice uh, Reese Infus is in the jail cell, having just, you know, been the, the lizard through the entire movie. And then some mysterious figure confronts him in the jail cell. And I forget who that was supposed to be. He's like, you know, we're going to get him back. And just this mysterious kind of voice. So as soon as I saw Savannah in there and I heard this voice, I'm like, what the, is this literally ripping that off too? So I mean, the um, Spider-Man, Spider-Man influence was either unintentional or intentional, pretty strong. I do like, by the way, there were clearly two references to big in this movie yeah, that, you know, like two intentional call outs that I was really happy to see because oh, yeah. the whole movie is basically like another version of big, you know, just with superpowers. So like when they had the piano, the walking piano yeah. in that toy store, <laughs> and then the fact that they went to a carnival at the end of the thing, you know, as they're yeah. walking through, I was really, I was thinking I'm like, man, are we going to see like a Zoltan machine just like yeah. in the background <laughs> as they pass it? Just, you know, just kind I, of subtly there. I bet they put one in. <laughs> And right? they're like, no, nah, there's got to be one in there where, like, just that's out of, you know, just just at the farthest distance or whatever. But yeah, I love that piano scene. That was so, like, what a funny payoff. Just, especially just the look on what's his name, Zachary Levi or whatever, like, yeah, yeah. on his face where it's like, 
you know, for like one millisecond, I went, no way. Are they going to do something this corny? And then to hear it like, you know, just the stomping on the low end of the, bum, 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 you know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. you realize like, no, 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 they're still fighting. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. I love the, you know, the, the casual references to the rest of the DCCU without it being yeah. this crazy, you know, convoluted storyline. That's how this should have been from the beginning. Yeah. We should have never gotten a justice league anytime soon. It should have been no. stuff like this, where it's like little hints and, you know, playing on that a little bit. And yeah, at the very, very end, we get a Henry Cavill less Superman body walk into frame. Yeah, which is hilarious because Henry Cavill's not Superman anymore. So yeah, that was kind of fun. You know, the the Batman toy getting thrown that was kind of fun. Um, so that was really cool. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Uh, first, did you expect to see the Shazam family appear this soon? No. Um, that portion of the movie where he had the rest of his his um, uh, orphan brothers and sisters join him, and, and you know they became the Shazam. I mean, that's that's comics yeah. accurate too. That was really shocking. And the fact that they did it, you know, even the, the, the lady costumes were pretty accurate. I, I was kind of shocked to see that already. Well, I don't, I, I don't remember that there are that many of them. I remember I just, the, yeah. just the brother and Mary and there's an Uncle Marvel. Um, I, I'll tell you though, there, so I, it, what, like when he is to, the foster kid family dynamic. I thought it was so perfect. Mm-hmm. Like I was living for those interactions between the kids and the parents the whole time. Like I, there was heart in that. That yeah. was, that to me was like, uh, I, I did think the, uh, boy, I'm backing it up and just trying to throw all my thoughts in here. Um, I did think that there was kind of the slow start to the movie, but it did have such a great pay, like, for going through Billy's, you know, history and backstory. Like I, you know, it didn't, it didn't feel like a, a cartoon gloss over of like troubled kid, with a good heart, you know, let's give him the power. Like it felt yeah, yeah. like, Oh, he, we really earned that, you know, through some of these scenes, but that, yeah. So that foster kid story I thought was great. And there's the scene when he saves Mary, like from the, the truck on the mm-hmm. street. Mm-hmm. And so when he didn't been introduced to her, I didn't even like, register her name like it just you know mm-hmm. whatever it was and when he saves her and then he calls her mary it was in that moment where i was like all i want to see now is her giving the like him giving her the power to become mary marvel mm-hmm. you know that was all like i was so focused on it at that from that point on <laughs> yeah yeah and and then i end when i realized that the other brother was the whatever that person in the shazam fame and that was like oh you know like <laughs> i i don't know there was one there was one other scene maybe in the cave where where uh Savine to get him to give the i don't remember where it was but it was something else where i was like give mary the power right now right now you know and it didn't happen and so i was like oh man don't tease me with this and mm-hmm. then it doesn't happen until the next movie so i was yeah, so ecstatic yeah. when it went like i felt like it just it led into it for someone who'd read some comics you know i knew what to expect and it was great to see it like it paid off in that way and then yeah i just loved how those grown-up versions you know played the kid intellect like yeah really well know. really really um, well yeah like yeah. the asian kid especially the like asian kids um i forget his name but the his uh his eugene. shazam eugene his shazam equivalent um you know even yeah. even yelling hadoken when he like fires the electricity like it's <laughs> Like it's yeah. Street Doesn't he yell you know, fatality just, at some other 
point. Yeah, too. yeah, yeah. So he brings the video game stuff. Like that was really fun. I just that was. Yeah, yeah. I was sh- surprised. I had not and, heard that ahead of time. I mean, they maybe they spoiled it through. No, something. I so didn't I, hear that either. I was not aware that that was coming. So when he's like, "Grab the staff," I was kind of like, "Oh!" And then when yeah. they all when they all turned, not just one of them, but all of them, because they were kind of building it up towards um, his friend. What's the young? What's the kids? The friends? Freddie. Like, Freddie, yeah, they're yeah. building up for Freddie. Like, you know, he's like, I didn't, you know, I would love to be this. Yeah. Like, yeah. You, exactly. you got chose. So I'm like, well, maybe at the very end, there's going to be, or maybe that'll be the end credit sequence will be him figuring out how to become, you know, something too. So they were, yeah. they were painting that pretty hard. But then the fact that it happened for all of them was just really yeah. fun to see. Yeah. And see, I thought, and I had in my head, like, it's only going to happen for Mary. And then there's like at that final scene where they all get into the tent and I'm like, Oh, I, it was just such a great moment rarely do i mean it's not like it was super hidden i you know i just i had suspended disbelief enough that in that moment it all came together for me of like you know oh we've seen the six thrones in the wizard cave Mm -hmm. and there's six of them and they're facing the you know the six ends plus savant and it just like all of it came together and i was like oh (laughs) all of them have to transform and it it was so such a good payoff for me um, yeah, I, the other, yeah, I, anyway, the other thing I, about this I, I, that I really, I really like liked is that, and you, you, when you talked about the heart and just the scenes where the family was there, it felt like that was its own movie. And it just happened to involve, you know, somebody with superpowers that it's, it was, it was like the movie they were trying to make was this wonderful movie about this kid and him trying to find his place in the world and his mom. And, oh yeah, it just so happens that he can do this too, but it's, that's that complements the main story, which I think anymore yeah. going forward with all these movies, it kind of has to be that way. Like the main conceit has to be something very grounded and very real. And then you add this, this extra fantastical layer on top of it. Like that really works well for me. Um, you know, Iron Man in some, the very first Iron Man movie in some ways is that it's this guy, yeah. you know, who's got PTSD from this, from this event and he's trying to put his life back together and, Oh, he just happens to invent this suit that makes him this hero. But it's, you know, this could have been a movie about this guy regardless. It didn't have to be Iron Man. Um, Well, and I think the very first X-Men had that. Yeah, you're right. Totally. That was what I felt. I think it's in that first X-Men where um, there are several interactions with with the kids and their parents. And then maybe that's X2. Um, But I, you know, I, yeah, but I just, I really, I, I like that. And I, I, I totally agree with you. I mean, it's like nothing is, um, nothing demonstrates how stupid it is that uh, Batman and Superman snap out of their rage towards each other when they realize that their mother's names are the same. Oh, I, like that was such a convenient m- moment in Batman. It's like, Martha. that was my mom's name too where like i mean just you can contrast it with shazam that is the heart of the movie like that's Mm -hmm. what defines all of these characters it gives them all their motivations gives them all their personality like everything is in that family dynamic and the parents are real three-dimensional parents too like oh totally totally yeah whereas in that cast it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. And in, in Bat Soup, it's just a, a convenience, a, like a literary trick of like, let's make both their names the same, you know? It, well, it's shoehorning in a grounded, yeah. what what should be oh, yeah, a grounded yeah. intentional moment at the, just at a, pure, you know, you meant, you said it, at a pure convenience 
to then try to justify this insanity. It's just the whole, I, I just can't say enough how poorly, um, you know, that's man of steel. I'll even start with man of steel, man of steel, BVS and justice league. Just, I mean, crap the bed so much on so many things that should be otherwise so easy. Like at the baseline should have been DC just copy Marvel verbatim, which is what this is. So yeah. And this, and they picked the right movie for that to work. You know, I love wonder woman. I love, I mean that, that holds up incredibly well. I've, I've had a lot of fun with Aquaman, you know, for all its faults, like it's just a lot of fun, but this movie was kind of like, okay, we're really going to go out there and really make it you know, really chase the Marvel formula. And they, th- because I think it was a lesser known character from the DC side of things, they, they had the ability, they weren't trapped by all these, all this historical context. And, you know, they didn't have three Shazam movies by Christopher Nolan to have to contend mm, with. Right, right. They could just do whatever they wanted. And it was really, it was really enjoyable. And they finally figured out their casting for these kinds of movies. Like the ca- Zachary Levi, this is the perfect use of his talents across the board. Yeah. Um, you know, Mark Strong was, you could tell he was, he was a little bit just, you know, paint by numbers villain, which Savannah <laughs> is, but he was having a lot of fun. That scene when they're, they're sort of midair and he's, you know, he's doing his, you know, his villain speech and, and Shazam's just like, what? I can't hear. Are you saying something? Oh are you, God. are you doing a so villain perfect. speech right now? And just like, I, you're a long ways away. And he's just, and Mark Strong just keeps talking. I'm like that, that is why you cast Mark Strong for like scenes like that, you know, where he tries to bring, a little bit of gravitas, but he exactly. you know, with, with a wink where he's like, he knows that it's, it's just ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where it's the villain's not in on the joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But the actor is, you can kind of see, you know, you just, the way Mark Strong does those kinds of scenes where he's just like, oh, this is just silly and fun. Um, that was, the kids were perfectly cast. Everything was just really, really nice. I'll say a couple other things. Going back to the CGI, you know, it was really refreshing to see most of, if not all of the locations as physical real places like their house exists um the apartment where he goes to see his mom that's a real place oh yeah it's 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 a very you know it had the the aesthetic of a of a low you know a a lower class sort of you know um trying to make ends meet kind of apartment and it was just like wow that's that's really cool the use of philadelphia also wasn't a it also wasn't a cartoon Uh, neither of those places were like a cartoon yeah yeah it's like you can but there used to be these scenes in superheroes. It's like, well, the villain lived in like the bad town. It just looked like a, you know, a cartoon version of a bad part of town. Yeah. Whereas yeah. like the narrows like and Batman mother, or something. Yeah. I was kind of thinking of that or like, wasn't there something in Spider-Man that way? Like, but um, you really felt like Billy's mom, like, I, I don't know, you know, that was a, oh, that was a difficult scene. But I, but that was such a real apartment of like yeah, just a yeah. low lower income housing and like you know it's just yeah it's not, that scene was crucial it, it's too not though car- cartoonishly well, that, that scene was yeah. crucial because that he oh they gosh. played this card of well he's not accepting his new family he's just going to move along so it, the, there needed to be a moment equal you know like at the very end when he's the first to put his hand out um at, at the dinner table. I, you need something to really make that matter. And they, they threaded that needle perfectly with him, um, you know, finding his mom, exactly. seeing that like, Oh, I don't have to keep searching for her anymore. Like this is, this is my life now. And the fact that he grows up by becoming Shazam, yeah. by ha- having his family help him like that. Every, all of that was earned. Every, everything yeah. was earned. Yeah, 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 perfect. Yeah, exactly. They couldn't have, you can see that like in, or we can imagine that in so many other superhero movies, 
they would have skipped that scene. Yeah. But then still had him put his hand out at the yeah. end. And you're yeah. like, you're like, well, wait, just because his friends turned into superheroes too, that now he, it, yeah, it needed that, that real like grounding moment to, I don't know. It just explained everything to Billy and explained everything to us. I thought it was really great. Yeah. Do you feel like, um, this this kind of movie can exist in a post like the the reason a movie like this can exist is because of Deadpool and I say that because Deadpool had a the first one had a very small budget comparatively speaking and did a hell of a lot with it you know instead of giving us a, a helicarrier they had like a, a junked you know a, a down helicarrier in a junkyard but we still got like we we had the production value of of knowing oh man this could connect to the MCU, if we really wanted it to, there's this helicarrier that kind of looks like it's, it's from there. Or mm. there are these scenes on this, on the, um, on the interstate in Vancouver where they're having these fight scenes and, you know, it's, it's a small cast and there's some very good practical effects mixed with the digital, but they, they did a lot and they let this, the script and the character interactions drive more of it. And I feel like yeah. Shazam it, prior to that, I don't know if this Shazam movie would have turned out the same. It, I, I feel like, that gave some of these studios the permission to go, Oh, we can make a movie that feels bigger, but with a yeah. smaller budget, smaller cast, you know, and just being really, really tight with the, the script. Yeah, that, That's a good point because I honestly, so as I, you know, I, I felt like, like act one of this, I, I, and I love the reference to Deadpool because I think that's such a turning point in, uh, you know, one, one sort of aesthetic becomes dominant and then you yeah. have to have something else really succeed with an like opposing aesthetic to mm-hmm. kind of loosen up the market and like get everyone to go, Oh yeah, yeah, we can, we can do different stuff. And I, we, we were in such a danger of like Avengers like that everything imitated, you yeah. know, yeah. because the X-Men movies were definitely going that way. And then Deadpool all, of, every, all the like, movies were no. going that way. They're just getting bigger and yeah. more bloated and bigger. And like the CGI budgets were getting bigger and bigger yeah. and Deadpool by, by pure circumstance could not do that. One of the reasons yeah, yeah. I didn't quite like the second one as much is because they got more money. Um, right. We'll talk right. About that another time. But, but that first one was just you know very small, very, you know, think about how many scenes were just way, you know, uh, uh, Ryan Reynolds with the, the grotesque face make makeup trying to make his relationships work, yeah. you know, whether it be his girlfriend, his neighbor, his roommate, all that, all of that was a lot of the movie. And so it's just yeah. kind of like to see Shazam and I, maybe they didn't follow that at all, but just, they were clearly influenced by that ability to just be more fun and not sweat the fact that they don't have $300 million to make this thing. Yeah. And so as I was like, his act one was sort of slowly developing the character of everything. And I felt like, Wow, this is this has taken a long time to get to like the real, you know, the incident that starts moving the movie. I, that's I, as I was watching Shazam in those moments, I was thinking of telling you on a podcast. I was like, actually, be like such a case study and show, you know, and take several episodes to develop the Billy story and blah blah blah. But then once it got into it, like I would say, like once Act Two started. Then I felt like, oh no, this is just the right way to do a movie where it's like, this is actually, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it, it had to take that time so that it can start to like, you know, put something behind the characters. And I don't know. I just, I thought it was really well done. And you were exactly right that I think something like Deadpool showed it, showed them this is possible yeah. because you don't have to have just like spaceships and laser guns, like at the beginning of the movie, you know, it's well, and Savannah didn't like summon some giant, like world ending, like, yeah, you know, like hurricane or something that he, 
you know, there wasn't, it, it was, it was very small and very localized. Like, yeah. you know, even when he, even when Savan is engaging with Shazam, he's not, you know, destroying the whole city of Philadelphia to do it. It's yeah. just like, he's going to their house. You know, he's like opening the door in their house. It's very intimate. Um, yeah. You know, even at the carnival, it, I love that Santa gag, by the way, that, that payoff of that thing. <laughs> I didn't know if it was going to work at first until he appeared at the, uh, at the end with the news anchor. I just, I love that. And just like things like that. But the, the carnival scene was even very intimate. You know, he wasn't capturing a bunch of random bystanders. It was just, it was him and the, the sins going after the kids. And that was basically it. Yeah. Um, it was just, it was yeah, so nice. If, they'd to had a, if there'd been a bunch of collateral damage, in that carnival, I, it would have ruined the tone of the movie. Like if those, Completely. you know, if, if just like, if you had that like man of steel moment or that Avengers one moment where you where a building falls over and you're like, well, that's, you know, 2000 people dead. Yeah. Like that would have just ruined it so much. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, uh, so yeah, it was so good that they didn't do that. The scene where he um, hit the, where the bus, where he causes the bus to crash, but then he saves the bus. Um, yeah. You know, that was the way to show his power, you know, him developing yeah. his power and accepting. But it also just kind of it it made the stakes feel bigger because here's this bus full of five or six people that might die. Wow, that's important. That's meaningful. You know, they're oh, not yeah. just you know, the bus doesn't just get chucked away into the distance by Savannah through some kind of you know hand wave. Or it's yeah. It it he's got to save these people. And it was, um, it was it just yeah. It was just reminded me. It, it ahead, just sorry. felt like he was, you know, he was your friendly neighborhood Shazam. Just, yeah, yeah. You know, it was that sort of thing. I was gonna say it's like it was, it was so serious, and you definitely felt like, oh, this is serious. But then when he goes and gets like the old dirty mattress and puts it under the bus, <laughs> it was like, okay, that's funny, you know. And just seeing like the face of the person like squished up against the window, like, no, yeah, not <laughs> like that. it was. I, I mean, it was it was the proper amount of levity I thought for. For a comic book movie, you know, yeah, um, I do. I, I do think there's a there's one like sort of uh, history note that I I think is a good thing to wrap up on, uh, if in fact we are close to wrapping up, which is uh, what I noted as the quotation marks Captain Marvel problem. Okay. Um, so I did a lot of research on this, which is to say I mostly read over one article um, <laughs> to refresh my memory on the the whole legal problem with Captain Marvel. Mm -hmm. So Shazam was called Captain Marvel um, when he was owned by a, a not DC nor Marvel by a different comic book group. DC bought the rights to that character and was then, and I think, or they bought, sorry, they bought the comic book company, I believe, but was then in a legal dispute with the original creators over what they could call that character. And at the time, Marvel had just changed their name to Marvel. Mm -hmm. So, worried that their main competition would suddenly own the name to a hero called Captain Marvel and that would weaken their brand, they quickly made a character named Captain Marvel. <laughs> oh, got it. So the Marvel Captain Marvel was like literally a device to save their brand name from DC. <laughs> but um, what I think is so interesting is watching this play out where Marvel's Captain Marvel and DC Shazam come out two weeks apart and they don't call Shazam Shazam, nor do they call him any Captain Marvel. And I know I've seen the Shazam family referred to, but mm -hmm. I still think that I think those characters are still called Mary Marvel, Uncle Marvel. Yep. 
whatever Marvel. They like, are as a, at least is. at least in Grant Morrison's Multiversity, there's a whole chapter slash issue dealing with with that side of the universe. And yeah. yeah, they are still even then. That was you know a couple of years ago. They're still referred to as that. So and I don't I I so I I kind of wonder if DC has a real problem here because it was a funny joke that you know Captain Captain Lightning Fingers or whatever yeah, and yeah. like. Uh, those were or thundercrack. <laughs> sounds like a butt thing. Um, those were all like that was all funny, but, but I guess it was when it when it finally got to the end of the movie and uh, and he's has them all you know put their hands on the staff and he goes say my name and they all go Billy <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> which was funny anyway. But then when he said no 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 say the other name that I say to turn this person it was I was fully aware in that moment of like oh he can't even say his own superhero name. No, he to, can't because he would, himself. Well, no, but he right. would turn back into Billy at that moment. Right, right. But I mean, imagine Shazam, the superhero, introducing yeah. himself to Superman or something. He's like, "Let me write this down for you." Oh, that's you right. Know? Yeah, you like, really, that is an interesting problem. And yeah, and that is sort of like, I, I mean, it's yeah, it's not like a serious <laughs> discrepancy or something. It's just like a stupid problem to have. Where what do you call these people? And your movie just happened to come out in the same season as. Marvel's Captain Marvel and yeah, so, yeah. so also was this not supposed to be a Christmas movie there was so much Christmas stuff happening in this yeah but at the same time Iron Man 3 was a Christmas movie and it came out May May 5th 2013 so I I'm one well, of those people who if you're gonna put Christmas stuff in your movie I prefer it come out at Christmas just for that purpose yeah. and it's such a family-friendly movie yeah uh, why the hell not you know well, but it's I guess that's that was really my question. Did they delay it till after Captain? Marvel, I don't know. You know, for some reason like that, I don't know. It's great it just question. all these questions occurred to me. Like, like why? You know, the proximity to Captain Marvel, and and then this long running joke of like, I don't. I, I'm sure non-readers come out of this calling him Shazam, but mm-hmm. um, you, you know, who, who are the others? What do you call it? like? Who are the other junior Shazams? You know, what? Yeah. I've know. heard th- I've heard them referred to as the Shazam kids a few times. Um, oh, really? Yeah. So, is there a cartoon or or comic book or something where all of them are Marvel family members? <sighs> I'm sure there is. I'm sure okay. in one of those DC animated shows mm. or something they've done that. Um, it they seem to be pretty loyal to the comics throughout yeah. this this thing. So I'm I mean the the fact that the costume that the comics accurate costume with with no changes i mean it's not yeah, like yeah. they made it like more you know darker red so that it yeah played. yeah they, it was as exact i mean the cape and everything was there the hood the whole nine yeah. yards and i'm just like the fact that they did that just really makes me you know it, it's it's there must have been an edict that's like look we're, we're not going to be ashamed of absolutely anything if there's anybody <laughs> at warner brothers who you know who's doing a bunch of cocaine and wants to say otherwise they're not allowed on set we're gonna do yeah. this no one's gonna mess with us or DC was like, ah, oh, whatever. We, this is all falling apart. So just do whatever you want. And then, it, and then it, you know, That's such a great idea. They're just like, you know, they're looking at the receipts. This was being made during Justice League. They're looking at the receipts for Justice League. Like, oh crap! It's all, it's all, it's all gone wrong. You know yeah, what? Yeah. What if we, <laughs> what if we got more comic book loyal movies because the studio just gave up rather than them trying to like micromanage everything into perfect, you know, continuity? <laughs> they stopped trying to think about it. Oh, that'd be great. That'd be great. I mean, that explains Aquaman to some degree. They're just like, do everything, every single moment. It's like it's in one movie. Yeah. So we got yeah. so let to to wrap up. We have now 
in my opinion, we've had three movies from the DCCU that are very much a course correction, starting with Wonder Woman. Um, Say what you will about Aquaman, but compared to the other things that preceded Wonder Woman, it's by far better. Um, It it is the aesthetic mess of like Justice League, (laughs) Batsuit, Man of Steel with a more like fun comic book story. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like not trying to make it into a sci-fi apocalypse. Yes. Boom. So that, that worked. And now we have like the really small, intimate, fun version of this. Yeah. I, I, I mean, do you think, do you see DC threading, uh, an, you know, the, the strings for another justice league sans Batman and Superman, or do you, do you see this being just standalone movies for, you know, the long haul? Is that what you prefer? I should I, I, I don't know. Cause I, I, you know, there, there aren't too many DC heroes. Like <laughs> there's only DC heroes that I think they'll get wrong. <laughs> yeah. That's, I don't have any that I'm like, we, we have yet to see a good green lantern. I'm like, Oh man, don't screw up Catwoman. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's sort of how I go into it. Um, but I, I think you and I have hypothesized about this before. Like just do, you know, do some team ups, do, do like the, you know, a Batgirl movie that, uh, like a Robin appears in or something like it doesn't necessarily need to try to be the Avengers, like tell more interesting, like tell a greater number of interesting stories rather than a fewer number of like epic stories. I really want to see like as we're walking out, I told my wife, I really want to see a scenario where Zachary Levi as Shazam has to interact with Gal Gadot as, as wonder woman, because you've got this, you've got this teenage boy Who's yeah. now, you know, around this beautiful, like strong, just completely yeah. kick-ass woman. Like, what is that gonna do to him? And especially the my favorite line, my favorite line in the entire movie of Shazam was when he and Freddie are walking out, and he's like, and I forget who passes some woman passes him, and it may be maybe outside the convenience store or maybe downtown, but he's like, Hey, you and I are the same age now. Like he just, he points to this woman, like, and he says, like, you and I are you're you're the same age as me now, like as, as yeah. almost like a pickup line. Yeah. And it was just, just, I'm like, I want that with Wonder Woman just to see, you know, they could have a lot of fun. So yeah. Fun or, or him referring to Wonder Woman as an old lady, like he did when he rescued or that. that woman. Yeah. yeah. I, um, oh man, I had two, two things went through my head and I just, they, they got confused. Um, I know one of them was, uh, I, I believe I, I sent you a text about this. There's this great Jeff Smith miniseries um, called Shazam and the Monster Society of Evil, which is just like a fun, it's like fun for, uh, you know, uh, people of our generation who are just sort of like, like it's an easy way to dip your toe into comics and go, yeah, that's just a like, it's aesthetically pleasing. It's the writing is sharp. It's just fun. But it's also good for kids because it's so kid, it plays so much on that, like Billy to Shazam uh, conversion. And in fact, when like Mary Marvel gets powers in monster society of evil she does not age so it's like a little mary marvel like a kid that has Mm. those superpowers and there's just a bunch of fun stuff like that and mr mines in it and savannah and whatever i just remembered what i was gonna say about savannah but anyway monster society of evil beautiful in print and it is uh on comiXology unlimited right now so like if you just want to check it out uh do that and you're an unlimited member it's free so uh i I love that book. Um, what I was going to say about Savannah related to what you're saying about Wonder Woman um, was what Shazam did so well was, and this, I don't correct me like on what any other movie that has done this superhero movie, they started with the villains 
origin story. Yeah, yeah. And that humanized to a, to an extent Savannah completely. And it was like when you think about everything that was wrong with Justice League, uh, there's you know there's these superheroes fighting this like uh, like amorphous like undescribable godlike power, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Steppenwolf, like. There, nobody cares about Steppenwolf. Nobody. There's no connection to this person. It's just like a power. Yeah. And that with made the, with that the mother made fetish. So, yeah. <laughs> and oh, that no. made Shazam so 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 much better. Oh you know? yeah. I I did. You know, especially because you knew he was going to grow up to be Mark Strong as this character. Oh, it was yeah. it was really nice to see. Hey, he was offered this at one point too, and he was told no. And then his whole life is predicated on like, why was I told no? How do I get back there? You know, everything, yeah. every moment. Were you, by the way, were you surprised to see his father still alive in that boardroom when he walked in? Um, both because he oh, survived definitely. the wreck, but also I'm like, isn't he too old to be alive? Like, what, what is going on? And then I thought, oh, no, I mean, no. <laughs> too uh, old what, to be alive. No, but like, you know, you he, see him He definitely car. did not look as old as he should have looked. <laughs> yeah. But, the, I mean, but in the car, you're like, well, this, that guy's like 45. Eight fifty years old, so you know, fast forward thirty years. But then I thought, oh no, oh uh, no, but it's fast forward forty five years because that opening scene said nineteen seventy four. Oh wow. Well, okay. <laughs> but then you know, I thought, oh, Ted Turner, he's you know still running a company. Lucian, uh, who the guy? Who's the guy that ran CBS? Uh, or the old old Les Moon? No, 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 the old old guy, even older than him. Oh, um, but no, know. even more so. What's the um? Oh God, who runs Fox? Jesus Christ. Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch. Like, so that I'm almost imagining that the dad is a Rupert Murdoch kind of character. Obviously he had his legs, uh, you know. Yeah. I, I guess if they had aged him too much, like man. Yeah. Prosthetics, then, then we wouldn't have recognized him, but I did, I did love, sorry, we got to cut this off because we're going to ramble too long. I did love the, the moment where the brother turns around and you realize that's the brother sitting in the conference room. Yeah. With yeah. such a Biff Tanner moment. Do I have that last name correct? Like when you see Biff yeah. as an old man in Back to the Future and you're like, whoa. Yeah, yeah. Same actor you mean, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And like just how he's just gotten like thicker, you know? <laughs> thicker and less yeah. hair. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was good. Well, the movie's got a 91% uh, fresh score on Rotten Tomatoes. So yeah. a lot of people are liking it. Again, it's it's a little derivative if you've been watching these movies for this whole time, but honestly, I, I think this is meant for a whole new generation of, of moviegoers yeah. who this is their first, this is their first one. You know, this yeah. is, this is to a lot of kids what Iron Man was 10 years ago to a lot of kids now who are in their early twenties. You know, they grew up with those I, Marvel movies. Yeah. This is a new, the start of a new cycle for the, you know, for a younger generation. I might even go a step farther than that and say that this is like, this could be like the start of like a, a Harry Potter esque like a version of superheroes because I, I think it gets into a younger demographic and a more pleasing aesthetic for younger, like Iron Man, you know, appealed to, to me, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, I know it appealed to young kids too, but like this, yeah, this really felt like that magic of like, uh, you know, a Harry Potter kind of thing. And I'm not a big Harry Potter fan, but I can see it like you aging with, with Billy Batson, you know? Yeah. Like, oh man. That's a, I never even thought of that. So I just this second thought of that. <laughs> so, so it, it could stand to reason that as these go on, they may get a little darker. Um, as yeah, the Harry Potter movies okay. did. 
Yeah, yeah that's oh up, man. You know? Now I'm excited yeah. to see where this goes because you're right. That very first Harry Potter movie was very much like you know bright and colorful and innocent and magical and very much like yeah. this tonally. And uh, yeah, oof. all right. Well, that said, um, Todd, where can folks find us if they want to listen to more episodes or learn more about what we're doing? Well, the best place to do that is just go to panelism.inc in a web browser, and that will show you where to find us on iTunes and Google Podcasts and Stitcher and what am I leaving out? Uh, Google Podbean. Play, Pocket Cast, <laughs> Apple, yeah, all, all the Player all, yeah. FM. What was the one we were going to mention because we found oh, all God. these uh, people listening to it? I don't we, remember. We just discovered some new podcast app because it was in our analytics. Uh, but also you can follow us on Instagram, which is our preferred and pretty only social media we are panelism.inc there as well and we share a lot of cool comic book art and uh memories and stuff and ha- have some good stories in fact uh um i think we're gonna we we just had a great uh comment exchange with someone and i think we're gonna talk about that in our next episode that's right <laughs> so um yes till next episode um and we don't know exactly when this is i know i know exactly when this one is coming out but I can't preview the next one because we don't know when that one will come out. Uh, I am, yeah, we're panelism. I'm Todd. You're Taylor. <laughs> we still lack a good outro. <laughs> Save Here's me. all the outro. This is the Aquaman of outros. Everything. You're just going to give me everything. Oh my possible. God. Yeah. Until next time. <laughs>